0: Yeah, so you might have picked up that over the last um, three, four weeks, a lot of our talks have been um, looking at Um, some of the lessons that we can get from scripture around um but actually to our particular circumstances so we're kind of looking at lessons from um we had lessons from the blind man and lessons from a short man which was um gideon um last week and this week we're going to look at lessons from exodus and all this is like we're not going into the full depth of the entire scripture but we're looking at what can we learn from these um texts from this scripture um that relates to us today what are the lessons we can pull out that are relevant for us in our current circumstances and so we're going to look at um not the entire story of the exodus but we're just going to dip into a couple of parts um so um if we start in in exodus chapter 3 um and it says this when the lord saw that he had gone over Um, To look, God called to him. This is Moses has gone over because the bush is on fire. God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So right at the beginning of this story, we see that the Israelites are in slavery. They've been in slavery for 400 plus years, um, and they... Um they've been suffering, they've been struggling, they've been being persecuted they're they're stuck in slavery they're they' the israelites are um, the the Egyptians are driving them to to build more and more storehouses to to work harder and harder, to make more bricks with less straw, like just to push them harder and harder and harder. And and they're crying out, they're kind of going, God, where are you? What's going on? We don't understand why you've allowed this to happen to us. We don't understand what's going on in this situation. Like life, life's difficult for them. And they're um and they're crying out to God and they're letting him know. And they feel maybe like God's being a bit quiet. They feel like God's being a bit distant. They've not really heard from him for a Few hundred years, they don't quite understand their situation and their predicament and their circumstance, and they're crying out to God. And, and when God shows up, when God shows up, he says to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people. And God is a God who hears our cry. And whatever your prayers are, um, whatever your heart is, whether you're loving this moment, whether you're finding it incredibly difficult and or anywhere in between those two and i know that that can change from day to day and some days we're doing great and other days we're finding it really difficult and some days we're loving 10 people in a house and some days we're not loving it as much and other days we're you know whatever your circumstance is um talk to god about it because god is a god who hears our cry God is a God who is concerned about our situation. God is a God who is with us and God a God who is for us. So let's be people who who cry out to God. Let's be people who communicate with God. Let's be people who are honest with God, who tell God how we feel, who tell God what's going on, who share our hearts and allow God to minister to us. And God says to Moses, take off your shoes take off your shoes because where you are standing is holy ground and I put out a thought this week uh, all around that and and this picture that we would had of this wave coming and if we've got our shoes on and we're, we're in our regular attire whatever then we might back away we might pull away because we don't want to get wet um, we don't want that wave to come and hit us but actually um, one that is a beautiful image around taking off your shoes because this is holy ground is um, is this idea of what if we take off our shoes? What if we step into the wave that's coming? What if we step into the water and allow whatever it is that God wants to do to happen to us? Taking off your shoes is submitting to the situation and um, submitting to God, um, surrendering to whatever it is God has for us, whatever it is God wants to say for us. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's a proactive thing. And those people, um, this week, and these coming days um, who take off our shoes and submit to whatever it is that God is bringing to us. And you see this really interesting thing about what's going on here with the Israelites is God wants to save them. and So he wants to free them from their slavery. And, and he does that over the coming chapters. We see these plagues come and Moses going backwards and forwards to Pharaoh and arguing for his people. And eventually during the Passover, Eventually, they have the Passover, and God frees the Israelites, and it's this miracle. It's this story of liberation. Um, but then there's a problem, you see. and um, So God takes them out into the wilderness, and they're heading towards the promised land, and God stops and, he, and brings Moses upon the mountain. He gives them the Ten Commandments, and he gives them not just Ten Commandments. He gives them the whole law. And I think that often we think about all the the law, the Ten Commandments as this bunch of rules. Like God says, if you don't do these, I'm going to be really angry with you. And if you, you know, but actually, that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is that God had saved them geographically, which is great. He'd got them out of Egypt. But now he needed to save them socially and spiritually and culturally. See, he got them physically out of Egypt. But now he needed to get Egypt out of them because Egypt had become rooted in them. This culture, this culture of not enough, this culture of working without stopping, this culture of oppression, this this culture of power and domination, this culture where the gods were gods that would punish you if you didn't do all the right things at the right time. These gods were gods who would make the harvest stop or make the river stop flowing or, or make your children sick or whatever it might be that these gods were gods who would who would punish you they were the reason that things would go wrong unless you could make the right sacrifices unless you did the right things and prayed the right prayers to keep them happy and then they might bless you and god wants to save them out of this culture of these all these different gods and all these um different that you have to keep happy and 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 worship and and give offerings to. And God wanted to save them from that culture of power, of not enough, of greed, of oppression, of suffering, of working without stopping, of worshiping all these different gods. And God, he got the Israelites out of Egypt, but now he needed to get Egypt out of them. And so he brought the law. So he brought the Ten Commandments, because the law is always about liberation. And I know that we distort it and I know that we make it about, we can make it sound quite oppressive and we can make it sound quite um, condemning and we can make it sound quite difficult and that God's going to be angry with us if we don't follow all the rules. But actually the law is always about liberation it is always about God teaching us how to be who he created us to be. It is always about God liberating us from the culture that maybe might oppress us, the, the culture that might suppress us, the culture that might dehumanize us, the culture that might force us into working and working and working without stopping and 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 having more and more and more, but never having enough. I don't know, it's, it's difficult, but it's difficult for us to imagine that sort of culture, perhaps. But all these thousands of years ago, that's what the culture was like now. And I know that now we're in this culture where no one's ever striving to have enough and no one's always working too hard. And, and we're not under this sort of oppressive idea um, of that we have to keep up and we have to be good enough. And if we're not good enough, then somehow we fail. But try and imagine it. Um, because that is a lot of what our culture's like, right? And And so this law, which was to liberate the Israelites... These rules, these instructions, this text, this culture that God was trying to instill in them is relevant for us as well today, because maybe we are people who need rescuing um, and not necessarily saving geographically, but maybe saving culturally and socially and spiritually. What are some of the cultural things, the social things, the spiritual things in us that maybe God can use this opportunity to save us from? What does that look like? So the Ten Commandments. You may well know them. <laughs> um, don't um, don't take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your parents. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Um, don't don't steal. Is that number eight supposed to be? Sorry. Um, don't lie and don't covet. And they might be really familiar to us. But actually, what do they mean? I haven't got time. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, But what we are going to do is um, just drop in on a couple of them and try and understand what is going on here. And how does it help um, for us to reflect on these? And what do they do even today by way of liberation for us? And the first command is that God is God that God is, you might have remembered me from three or four weeks ago talking about some of the principles and the cultures of of what it looks like to be a church in the 21st century and that one of these phrases I was using was that God is, God is above it all, God is one God and this was radically um, transformational for them. In a a society where they had to keep all sorts of different gods, where they were driven by all sorts of different things, Um, in this society, they had to keep all these different gods happy. God said, no, there's one God and I am that God, I am over everything. And I'm a God who wants to be in relationship with you. I'm a God who loves you. I'm a God who is for you. So just be in relationship with me because I am your source of life. I'm your source of hope. I'm your source of truth. I'm your source of grace. I'm your source of reality. I am your source of creativity. I am the breath. I am everything you need. Let me be your source. And that links to the second one, which is no idols. And and again, we we might think that the whole you shall have no idols is about, well, don't have any um, graven images and don't, don't have any totem poles up in your garden or whatever it might be. But actually what God's getting at here is in the same way that the first command is, let God be God and God is God over everything. The second command says, and you, as God's people, are called to be the image bearers of God, the physical, visible representation of an invisible God. So don't make other things. Don't carve other things out of metal or wood or don't make other things those things which are the source of life or hope or um, whatever it might be. Let God be that. And you be you. You be who God's called you to be. You be the visible representation of God. You be the reflection of God in creation around you. Don't give that... um, Don't give that... A role to anyone else don't abdicate from that but you be the image bearers of god in your community reflect what god is like and that leads on to the third command because the third command says don't take god's name in vain and again we kind of go oh well that means children that you shouldn't be saying oh god or whatever else and and That's probably true, but that's not really what that command means. What that command means is don't take upon yourself the name of God, i.e. refer to yourself as children of God, as image bearers of God, as visible representation of the invisible God, but then live in opposition to that nature. Don't say that you are here to reflect God, but then live in ways that do not reflect God's character. So don't, don't say that, oh, well, I'm, I'm a Christian and I, my God is a God of love, but then speak hate over people because you're living in opposition. You're taking God's name in vain. You're saying that I'm reflecting what God is like, but then you're evidencing, you're displaying a very different character, a very different culture. Let's be people who reflect what God is like, who, who reflect what the Jesus that we see in Scripture that God who is with us, that God who is for us, that God of love, that God of power, um, that God who serves, that God who submits and surrenders, that God who is for the outsider, who, who engages with the people on the edges and the margins. That's what God looks like. And when we call ourselves followers of that same Jesus, we should look the same. And when we don't look the same, when we live in opposition to that, when we display something else, maybe when we surrender to the gods of our culture and our society and we strive for more and we want to achieve more, we want to, we want to possess more, we want to accumulate more, and um, we want to chase power and significance and influence rather than hanging out with the people on the edges and the margins, then we take God's name in vain. We say we are one thing, but we live in opposition to it. And so that's quite a liberating perspective for us to understand there. And I think then the fourth one is remember the Sabbath, which again is liberation. And what we see in the New Testament is people people condemning Jesus because he's not his disciples aren't adhering to the specific rules all around the Sabbath. But actually, and Jesus says this profound thing. He says, look, man is not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. This isn't supposed to be something that oppresses you, that you have to follow, otherwise you're going to be punished. This is something to liberate you. This is supposed to be a blessing for you because these are people who had worked incessantly and not just, you know, without a day off, like 12 hours a day. And not just, you know, I referenced earlier that I haven't really had a day off in the last month, but um, but that's for one month. These people haven't had that their entire lives. And that's not a great thing that I've achieved there when I try to take a day off. I didn't cope with it very well. I forgot the Sabbath. I forgot to find the rhythm in the middle of it all. And so this is something that we're all working on. It's important that we remember the Sabbath. And the Sabbath isn't about, oh, I need to go to church on a Sunday or whatever that might be. It's about the Sabbath is about taking that time to stop, to breathe, to remember that you're human to connect with God and remember that you are loved and you are known and you are his and you are created by him and you are indwelt by him. The Sabbath is a moment to remember to breathe and remember what you're created for and remember what um, God has called you to. It's a time when we should make space. It's a time when we should find a rhythm. It's a time that we should breathe. And then there's some other um, commands you'll be delighted, children that are gonna skip over on your parents. Um gonna skip over, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. And but the last commandment is the the other commandment that I wanna focus on for us to have, to understand today. Because in the same way that um, in the same way that remembering the Sabbath is was a moment of liberation for these Israelites who'd lived in slavery for all those years, who'd been dehumanized for all those years, and God said, I want you to take a day, a week, just to rest, just to be human, just to remember who you are. Don't covet is also this profoundly liberating command. It's not kind of going, oh, no, be very careful. You're not allowed to um, want what other people have or whatever. It's a, it's, this, it's this encouragement to find contentment in your situation to be content with who you are. And in a world of comparison, in a world where we're taught to aspire for more, to chase more, to go for more, to pursue more, to have more, to accumulate more, to have more power, to have more influence, to climb the ladder, to be better than your neighbours, to have the status symbols and to have the right level of income, in a world where we're told to have more and to compare ourselves, if I, if you could just be like this person, in a world that is consumed by an advertising industry that is based on this whole premise of that you are not enough and you need this product if you're going to be enough, if you're going to be happy, if you're going to find contentment, God says that culture will kill you. Comparison will kill you. God says be content be content. And and that's a really important lesson for us, because we live in this culture that's always telling us that we don't have enough. And you might have heard me talk about um, before, when we've talked about giving, this this idea that giving is the antidote to not enough. In this world where we're always told to have more and to accumulate more, where we're always told to look at, we're always told to look at the people who have more than us and and chase what we don't have, God says, no, no, stop coveting what other people have. Stop wishing you were somebody else and learn how to be you. Stop wishing that you had more. Stop chasing the more all the time. And in those moments where you feel like you don't have enough or you're not enough, give. That might be financial. That might be just choose to be a blessing to someone in those moments when you feel like you're not enough. It might be that you choose to give financially when you don't feel like you have enough. Because giving is the antidote to not enough. And you might again remember me talking about this survey that these different surveys that happened um, in America one time, and they asked people who had $250,000 a year income, said, do you feel like you're high earners? And 30% said that they didn't feel like they were high earners. And then they asked millionaires whether they felt rich, and 40% of millionaires said they didn't feel rich. And then they asked multimillionaires, that's people who had $25 million, all the way up to $2 billion, um, do you feel financially secure? And over 50% said that they don't feel financially secure. of people said that $25 million or $2 billion wasn't enough that they didn't feel financially secure. And then they asked a really interesting question. They said, so how much more would you need? And what was fascinating about the answer was everybody answered that question. And it worked out that the percentages actually needed was around 20 to 25% more. Everybody was 20 to 25% away from having enough. Which is weird because it means that the person who had $25 million just needed $5 million more to have enough. And then they could get to $30 million. But the problem is when they get to $30 million, now they need $6 million more to have enough. When they get to $100 million, now they need $25 million more to have enough. And when they get to $2 billion, now they need $500 million more to have enough. Bizarrely, the more we have, the further away we are from having enough. Because not enough isn't an amount. Not enough is a culture that gets into us. Not enough is the Egypt that keeps telling us to build more and more storehouses and to work harder and harder and more bricks with less straw. It's that Egypt that gets into us. And God managed to save the Israelites. He managed to get the Israelites out of Egypt. But then he needed to get Egypt out of them. And I think sometimes, a lot of the time, God needs to get Egypt out of us too. God needs to get the culture out of us too. And when we feel like we haven't got enough, giving is the antidote. So it's this act of liberation. Because when we compare ourselves to other people, when we get into comparison, oh, it'd be easy if I had what they had, if I if I had their circumstance, if I had... You know, even in these circumstances, we might go, oh, it's great for you. You've got 10 people in your house. And I might be going, oh, it's great for you because you're on your own. And actually, if we always compare ourselves to other people's situations, it will crush us. Comparison will crush you. Be content with your circumstance. Be content with who you are and who God's called you to be and where God's called you to be the situation and the circumstance God has called you to be in. Let me encourage you this week to explore, to wrestle with God, to cry out to God so we can learn how to be content with our circumstance. In Philippians chapter 4, it says this, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The secret is that we do it through Christ. The secret is that we do it with God. And so if we're struggling to find that contentment, Don't take the command of be content as a condemnation. Take it as an invitation. An invitation to work it out with God and to find that contentment in God, in who He's created us to be. Be content. Find a rhythm. Make space. God hears you. God hears you. May this week. Be a week where we're able to take off our shoes and step into our circumstance step into what god has for us learn how to be the people that god created us to be may this week be a week where we learn better how to find that rhythm and how to make space may we encounter god in new ways may we express god in our neighborhood in new ways God bless you.